We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. You are listening to Rotoviz Radio, a fantasy football podcast. With your host, Matthew Friedman. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt of the Oracle of the Action Network and Rotoviz. Welcome to a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Today we are talking about the Seattle Seahawks. In between the NFL Combine and the draft, I'm interviewing beat reporters for every franchise, 32 teams, 32 beat writers, and 32 episodes. We are covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I am joined by Bob Kendota of the Seattle Times, where he covers the Seahawks. In this episode, he talks with us about the offseason rollover on the roster, the team's skill position needs, and what the Seahawks might do in the first round of the draft. Before we get to the guests, I'd like to remind you that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the premium NFL content on the site, and it supports the pod. All right, let's get to the guest. Please welcome to the show Bob Kendota of the Seattle Times. You can follow him on Twitter at BKendota, where he provides up-to-the-minute news on everything to do with the Seattle Seahawks. Bob, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. 
Sure. How you doing today? I'm doing well. It's a, it's a good time of year. Uh, the draft is in sight. We're in April, and a baseball season has started, too, so there's a lot going on. It's the Masters this weekend. It's sort of just the, the best time of year. Uh, but let's talk some football. The Seahawks have had a very busy offseason. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, roster turnover. Richard Sherman is no longer with the team. Michael Bennett is no longer with their team. The same with uh, Jimmy Graham, Sheldon Richardson. What do you think, uh, is this a rebuilding or more of a retooling with the roster? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that either was intentional, but um, certainly it, it does kind of look that way a little bit. I mean, these are all just individual decisions. I don't think there was some grand thought that we're going to rebuild or something like that. Um, I think it's just a bunch of stuff that was forced on them. I mean, Graham was a free agent. You know, Sherman has the injury um, you know, the only one that, that maybe you look at a little bit and wonder in, in that regard is Bennett, I guess, because you probably didn't have to get rid of Bennett yet if you didn't want to. But uh, certainly they are, you know, it is kind of the, the biggest mix or, or the biggest turnover of really established guys since they won the Super Bowl in 2013. And, um, you know, we'll see. I, you know, it's not like they're not spending money. I mean, if you look at their cap situation, they don't have a whole lot and they still have a lot of highly paid guys. So, you know, some of this stuff was forced on them that way, too, and, the, and stuff they just kind of had to do. To, to make everything work, but you know we'll see. They, they certainly like with Sheldon Richardson. You know they they kind of decided maybe they can get the same production out of some guys who are going to make a lot less than he is. Um, and um, you know that like same with Jimmy Graham. I, Jimmy Graham didn't want to be back. I mean it's not even like there was a choice there that the Seahawks had. I mean Graham wasn't going to come back regardless. But um, but you know so it ends up that they're paying Ed Dixon a lot less than they're gonna, than they would have paid than they paid Jimmy Graham last year. And, um, but, you know, they sort of had to do that because of things like Russell Wilson's contract and, you know, Bobby Wagner's contract and Doug Baldwin's and some people that they've signed that, you know, have really big cap hits coming up. So, um, you know, we'll see, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Certainly this is kind of the, the least expectations I think they'll have going into a season that they've had in a long time. So for years, the secondary was really, it seemed like, at least for the defensive unit, the, the heart of the team. Now you have Earl Thomas, you have Cam Chancellor there. Earl Thomas, there are rumors that he might be traded. Cam Chancellor is returning from an injury. What do you think the state of the secondary is right now, and specifically with the two safeties? Yeah, it's certainly in flux. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think people really expect Cam Chancellor back. He just, he's on the roster sort of just because he has to be because of the way his contract situation is. But, uh, you know, you're seeing them make some moves there that I think indicate that they're not expecting him back. And I, I don't think anybody really expects him back, unfortunately. Um, you know, if, if for some reason something happened and he were, and he were able to, then that, that's sort of, uh, you know, icing on the cake, I guess. But, um, um, you know, they, that's, I, they, I think they signed Bradley McDougal with the, so with the, with the idea that he's going to take Chancellor's spot. You know, the Earl thing, obviously, is a little more up in the air. And, you know, this is one of those that's, you know, they're not looking to trade Earl, but it's because he's going into the last year of his contract. Um, that's been sort of dicey, I think, so far on, on, on getting a sense of whether he will sign an extension that they feel comfortable with. Um, you know, the last three guys they've signed uh, third contracts really haven't worked out. You know, Marshawn Lynch, Michael Bennett, and Cam Chancellor, I think all those are contracts they probably wish now they hadn't done. And I think that plays into it here. here we'll also played into the, the Richard Sherman as well, as these guys get older and have injuries. And, you know, is it really worth giving them these huge deals? And so, that's part of what's going on with Earl. So I think they're trying to get a sense of what the best thing to, way to do with that. And, you know, I think this is one of those things we, that we won't know really probably until the draft. I think that they'll, they might wait until the draft and see if, uh, you know, draft day kind of spurs some activity there, spurs some team to really make them an offer that uh, is the kind of thing they're looking for. 
Can you talk a little bit about the defensive line? Uh, Cliff Averill, you know, is the team expecting anything from him? They have Frank Clark. They've made some additions to the defensive line. What can we expect to see there in 2018? Yeah, I, Cliff's another one. I, I think you'll see soon that they will release him or he will retire. I don't, I don't think anybody expects him back, but he does remain on the roster at the moment. Um, and so, yeah, they, they, they're, they're going to have to do some things to to add to the to the pass rushing thing frank clark's going into the last year of his deal so they're going to have to do something there at some point here uh soon probably or maybe they play that out and see what kind of year he has and then decide at the end at the end of this season but they are going to really rely on frank clark and Dion jordan um Deion jordan came came on they they felt uh they, they really liked what they saw out of him at the end of the year they re-signed marcus smith as well um i you know i would I, I sort of feel like they need another edge rusher. They, they signed Barkevius Mingo also, um, but it would not shock me if they went, uh, you know, pretty high in the draft with a with an edge rusher because that seems like an obvious spot. I, I, it sort of feels like they've, uh, with what they've done in free agency, they're anticipating adding somebody in the draft there for that that position. Um, you know, the, 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 the defensive interior looks a little bit better with the, the signings of the two guys from the Minnesota Vikings, Jamar Stephan and, and uh, Tom Johnson, and then to add to, to what they already had there, and Jaron Reed and and Nas Jones. Nas Jones, a guy that uh, you know people on the outside might not know know a lot about, and he sort of got hurt at the end of last year and didn't play the whole season. But um, they were really happy with him, and you know I think they feel like the, those four guys inside maybe add one more guy to that, and then you've got a decent defensive um, tackle uh, situation. But you know that's sort of just for this year. I mean, both the guys from the Vikings are on one-year contracts, so um, with another spot wouldn't surprise me if they drafted somebody because you look long-term, and they certainly can use some use some help there. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've recently done a mock draft in the first round. I believe that uh, you had the uh, defensive end Harold Landry from Boston College going to the Seahawks in the first round. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how you see the first couple of rounds shaking out for the team uh, and what they might be looking to do? Actually, I guess they only have they have the first rounder and then they have a, yeah. a fourth <laughs> rounder, right? So I guess it's really that that first round yeah. pick. What do you think they really will be looking to do? with that pick well i'll be stunned if they don't trade out of it and, and as i wrote yeah um in there i mean it's probably a given that they're going to trade down and add picks i think almost certainly they will do that but but you know you do a mock draft and you can't necessarily assume that or i guess you could but um i sort of did mine just with the picks that they have today uh, without assuming trade but i would assume they would probably try to do that um you know trade down and if you can trade you know even 10 or 15 spots down and then pick up another pick or two in the second or third round i don't think they want to go that entire second day of the draft and not have any picks at all so um, I would think they would do that, but, um, but yeah, I did uh, for the reason I sort of just talked about, I, I, I think an edge rusher makes a lot of sense for them. Um, given, you know, again, I, I, I don't think Cliff Aver will be back. So, um, with that knowledge and with what, what else they have there, I, I that, that, uh, a guy like Harold Landry makes a lot of sense, but you could see him go other routes. Um, you know, certainly it's, it's, it's one of those years I've written, you know, written this a few times as well. Um, probably more so than any year in the last five where just about everything can make you can sort of make a case as a need um you know so maybe if there's some uh, offensive lineman falls to them there that's uh that they're not expecting or um you know a receiver um you can make a case they could they could use a receiver um you know even um even a safety, you know, a lot of people have had him taken. Derwin, Derwin James has been a real popular guy for people to mock to them there. Um, you know, I, it's 
they've sort of sent some signals lately that they really like the guys they drafted last year. And, and, you know, they did sign, um, they signed two safeties and free agency. So I think maybe they, they, they won't feel like safety is that big of a need for them going into it. But, uh, um, but certainly you could, you could make a case that, you know, if, if somebody really fell to them there also, that's a guy they, they liked it, that you might want to go ahead and do that. Let's talk about the, the offense. Uh, Russell Wilson accounted for almost every touchdown, uh, that the team scored last year, uh, you know, not counting a, a, a defensive touchdown or anything like that. But, um, it was probably the worst season for the team in the, the Pete Carroll era. Uh, well, I guess, you know, since they won a Super Bowl, you know, since they kind of uh, really founded themselves. But what do we think that the future holds for Russell Wilson? Is it uh, a situation where the team doesn't have the weapons around him that they need? Or was last year just uh, kind of a down year for the team while he was still performing at a relatively high level? Um, I think Russell played fine. I, I don't, I, you know, I don't think he's the problem. But you know, people look at quarterbacks for the for the obvious reason. You always sort of focus on that. Um, I mean, the big issue was their running game. I mean, their running game was terrible. I, you know, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't really keep any of the running backs they liked either healthy or productive. Um, the offensive line was sort of in constant flux. Um, you know, they, they, they sort of, once they, once they made the twa- trade for Dwayne Brown at midseason, I think they felt like they finally had an offensive line they sort of liked, but, you know, Dwayne Brown then immediately got hurt. And, um, that sort of mitigated a little bit, um, what they were able to get out of him. But, uh, you know, I, I think the issues were sort of elsewhere than Russell, but I do think by the end of the season, Russell sort of, um, got caught up in it a little bit. You know, I think, you know, the proverbial maybe trying to do, trying to do too much kind of thing. Uh, you know, he understood that the running game wasn't what it had been in the past. And, and I think instead of, uh, you know, just sort of playing naturally, I think Russell uh, at times felt like he, he really had to do this or that or come out and uh, establish this or that. And, and I think that was hard for him to, hard for him to do, do at times. But you look at his overall numbers, you know, the, the completion percentage is down a little bit. You know, some of the efficiency wasn't, wasn't quite what it's been in the past. But still, you know, throwing, throwing as many touchdowns as he did, as you know, you know, he also scored all but one of their rushing touchdowns. Um, you know, he, he typically ran the ball fine um, when he did run it. So uh, they do need to get more help around him. And, and I think, uh, you know, you've seen them do that a little bit with, you know, they changed, co- they changed a lot of the coaching staff, obviously, with uh, changing the offensive coordinator, changing the offensive line coach. I think they, they feel like maybe those guys will put in um, schemes that will help Russell a little bit more and try to get the running game going a little bit more to help Russell. And, uh, um, and I, you know, I think they hope the offensive line will simply play better with, uh, with adding Dwayne, Dwayne Brown to it. And then with the, with the guys they have coming back, I think they're, they're, they're pretty big on uh, hoping that the continuity there is going to be good and, and help them quite a bit this year too. So, um, you know, if all those things kind of come to fruition, maybe the offense will be a little bit better this year. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. 
Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. With the, the running backs specifically, uh, Chris Carson uh, returning from injury, Mike Davis flashed at points last season. C.J. Procise is a guy who's been very intriguing. McKissick also intriguing as a, a former wide receiver in college. How do you see the workload there breaking down, or is it something that is just going to be week to week and we really have no solid idea? Um, I, I'd really just say I have no solid idea one way or the <laughs> other. I mean, I, I don't know that they want to go um, committee-ish per se. I think that was sort of forced on them last year because nobody really took the job and and ran with it. Um, you know, they were hoping. I, I think they thought. You know, I think they were sort of ready to turn it over to Chris Carson, and then he got hurt in the fourth game of the year. And you know, you saw them keep start. They start Eddie Lacy for a game or two, and then that didn't really take. They start Rawls for a game or two, that didn't really take. They ended up with Mike Davis at the end of the year. Um, you know, so they've got Davis, Carson, Procise, and McKissick. Yeah, and Davis and Carson are, are, are basically their, their two right now, kind of, uh, you know, early down backs. Uh, McKissick, I think, really is best suited to sort of a role as sort of a third down back and, and uh, using his receiving skills and getting them split out and things like that. And then, um, you know, Procise is a guy that, despite, uh, you know, there's a lot of skepticism among the, among the fan base because he hasn't been able to stay healthy and play very much. But I, I think the team is willing to give it one more shot with him. And, and I think they view him as a guy who could help him in a variety of different ways and, and could help him on early downs, could help him in, um, be, be a third down back for them. And, um, you know, if he can stay healthy. So I, you know, I think they're going to count on him a little bit and hope he can, hope he can get healthy and stay healthy and make it work. But I'd be stunned if they didn't, you know, if they don't bring in another uh, running back or two at some point down the road, either through the draft or through undrafted free agency is, as I'm sure you guys have talked about a lot, um, you know, it's just regarded as a really good year for running backs and in a really deep class. And, you know, you can sort of looks like you can go into the fourth or fifth round and find a pretty good running back probably. So um, I think that's probably what they're going to try to do too, is that, is that a rookie to this, add a rookie or two to this mix and see how it all fits together. Looking at the wide receiver unit, Doug Baldwin is the staple there. Tyler Lockett is someone who's been intriguing, but had injuries. How do you see this wide receiver unit taking shape? Yeah, well, I think it's going to start with, it's going to start with those two guys, with Doug and Tyler. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to really hope, uh, you know, Tyler Lockett's going into the last year of his contract. Um, I think they're going to hope that he has a, a better year than he had last year. You know, Pete Carroll made some pretty, uh, pretty candid comments about Tyler at the, at the league meetings and about how he, he wasn't sure Tyler really was ever healthy um, last year coming off the, the injury he had at the end of the 2016 season. And it took him a long time to get past that. And, um, you know, with going into his last year of his contract, he'll be highly motivated to, to kind of get healthy and show what he could do sort of like Paul Richardson did this year. Um, you know, they signed Jerron Brown to basically take Paul Richardson's spot. They're going to count a lot on uh, they're going to hope anyway for a, a breakthrough year from Amara Darbo, who they took in the third round last year and is sort of a bigger receiver. Um, uh, you know, they got a guy named Marcus Johnson and the Michael Bennett trade. And, and that's probably easy to, for, to, to overlook because probably not a lot of people know about him, but ap- apparently he's a guy that the Seahawks have had their eyes on for a while. And, and I thought they, they have thought there's maybe more there than, than he has shown in the past. Um, you know, uh, regarded as a really fast guy. So, uh, you know, maybe a fast guy you put out, put out on the outside, you can stretch the field for you a little bit. 
Um, but a receiver, another spot, I would, I would assume they'll go, um, they'll, you know, they'll add a guy or two to that in, in the draft or undrafted free agency as well. And, and sort of hope to add to that core a little bit, but you know, it's going to start for sure. I mean, Doug Baldwin is making a lot of money and, and, uh, you know, so it's going to, it's going to start with him for sure. And then Tyler Lockett. And, and I would imagine probably if the season started today, John Brown, that, that, that'd be your top three receivers. And then, and then hope that, um, Amara Darbo can push those guys a little bit. All right, Bob, this was fantastic. Thank you for all the insight, and we hope to talk with you again as we get closer to the season. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. All right. You take care. We just finished speaking with Bob Kendota, a Seahawks beat writer for the Seattle Times. We covered a lot. Here are some of the thoughts I have on our conversation. Uh, we started by talking about the offseason rollover on the roster. And specifically, I think it's worth looking at the losses on the defensive side of the ball. Richard Sherman is gone. Cam Chancellor is expected to be gone because of his neck injury. Cliff Averill also has a neck issue. He's expected to be retire or to be cut. He says that he's interested in playing next season. Uh, even if he does play next season, uh, very easily could be with a team other than the Seahawks. Sheldon Richardson was allowed to leave via free agency. Michael Bennett was traded. Byron Maxwell is yet to be resigned, although that might happen. So those are five players, maybe six players likely to be gone uh, or already gone, who are all important to that defense, uh, either in what they did last year or in what they've done previously for the unit. Um, you know, Wilson, Russell Wilson is the face of the franchise is, and you know, that's fairly standard for a quarterback, but the Seahawks for years had been built on defense in 2012. They were third against the pass and football outsiders defense adjusted value over average. Um, and you know, that's primarily thanks to the Legion of boom. Uh, in 2013, they were number one overall in DVOA uh, and also past DVOA. And in the Super Bowl that year, they shut down the most prolific offense of all time in Peyton Manning's Broncos. Um, you know, a, a team that had 55 touchdowns passing. They couldn't get anything going in the Super Bowl against that defense. Uh, in 2014, the defense was once again... Um, you know, one of the best in the leagues, uh, best in the league, first in DVOA. Uh, again, it got them to the Super Bowl. It was uh, third against the pass, second against the run. 2015, they were third in DVOA against the pass and the run. 2016, the unit was fifth overall in DVOA. So for five years, this might have been the best defense in the league. Probably was the best defense. Uh, and then last year, it was just middle of the field. You know, it was 13th overall. 13th against the pass, 13th against the run. Um, you know, and, and that's what happens when a defense, one, has aging players, and then two, it has a lot of players who are injured. Uh, and so, the, you know, the question is, with some of those players gone, or, you know, a lot of the players gone, how good can this unit be in 2018? And, and also, I mean, I haven't even mentioned Earl Thomas. The team was without him for a chunk of the time last year. Uh, and now the team is reportedly considering trading him. Um, so there's the question, how good can this unit be in 2018 with all of the the turnover 
that it has experienced in the last few months. Uh, I mean, the thing is, though, if you look at it, it still might be pretty good. You know, the unit might be able to rebound. Frank Clark, he's good as an edge rusher. Deion Jordan was good in limited action. Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright are still there at linebacker. So that position is strong. If Thomas stays, the secondary might actually be okay if Maxwell resigns. And then you also have Justin Coleman and Shaquille Griffin at corner. They don't have great depth. Like, they, they are thin. Uh, and, you know, it's a violent sport. Players always get injured. But if they are able to, to you know, be on the lucky side of uh, the injury dynamic, and they were certainly on the unlucky side last year, so they might be a little lucky this year, uh, the unit might be okay. Um, but it certainly needs help. And one of the big problems is that the team, you know, as Bob mentioned, doesn't have a pick on the second day. Somehow, the team needs to acquire a day two pick, you know, preferably multiple day two picks. Um, in the most in the most recent mock draft I have at Fantasy Labs, I have them taking an offensive tackle at number eighteen. As Bob mentioned, uh, the team clearly needs some help on the offensive line, but it also needs help all over, right? So it could really benefit from extra picks, and. There's the possibility that whoever they take at 18, and right now I have them taking offensive tackle Connor Williams from Texas, there's the possibility that whoever they take at 18 wouldn't be appreciably better and also wouldn't be at um, a position of much greater need than a player they would maybe be able to get later in the first round if they traded down, or maybe even at the top of the second round if they traded down. Uh, and that player, because they have needs all over, that player could still potentially address a position of need. Uh, so trading down could be something that's good. So right now I have them going with an offensive tackle at number 18. Really, though, uh, I think they should trade down. Right? They could really benefit from extra picks. Um, you know, Maybe move down into the second round. Maybe if they do that, they could pick up an extra day two pick. And, and the team also has three fifth rounders and three seventh rounders, right? Maybe it could package some of those picks together in a trade and get better draft position. You know, uh, so the team needs help on defense. It needs help on offense. Um, just look at Russell Wilson. I mean, he had, you know, in the conversation I had with with Bob, uh, you know, I think I started by saying it, it seemed like he had something of a down year. And that that is, I phrased that poorly. He didn't have a bad year. Um, he had bouts of inconsistency, and a lot of that had to do with the offense around him. You know, Wilson is known to be a slow starter. You know, that's it's kind of weird. It's just a thing with him. You know, we know it at this point. Um, you know, last year he started slowly in weeks one and two, he completed 56% of his passes for 356 total yards and one touchdown, right? That's like a Blake Bortles esque type of two week performance. Um, the team scored 21 points in those two weeks, like 21 combined. The team was lucky to beat the 49ers in week two, right? Uh, you know, but then they just turn on the switch. The eight games after that, you know, Russell played at a near MVP level. He completed 64% of his passes, 
averaged more than 300 yards passing per game in that span. He scored 22 total touchdowns during that time. He was great, right? And he was still solid after that, but he was inconsistent and the team struggled and it didn't make the playoffs. And in particular, it didn't make the playoffs in part because he was inconsistent to close the season. In his final six games, he completed just 58.5% of his passes. He had fewer than 200 passing yards per game in the final six games. He was still getting his touchdowns. So that was, you know, kind of like the, the you know, wallpapering over the, the holes in the edifice of his game. Um, but, you know, it, it wasn't good underneath. Like the, the, the passing percentage, the yards, it was bad. The offense wasn't moving the way it had been the previous two months. You know, but part of that is just because of what was happening around him. He was literally the only person on the team scoring touchdowns because they had no running game, right? He scored every offensive touchdown last year except for one. He led the team in every rushing category. 95 carries, 586 yards, three touchdowns, 6.2 yards per carry. Like, that's... Like, I mean, I guess on the one hand, it's sort of like, oh, it's impressive that he led the team in rushing, but that's a horrible situation for a quarterback to be in. And it's also horrible for him to lead the team in rushing with those numbers, because it's not as if those are actually really impressive numbers, right? 586 yards as a leading rusher, three touchdowns as the, the leading guy in that category. Like that's really bad. Uh, and so on the offensive side of the ball, this team really needs help. He needs help at running back, and he, he needs help at receiver too. You know, But you look at, at the running back position, you know, the guys they have there, they have four guys who are all you know, kind of quote-unquote interesting. Um, but Chris Carson was undrafted. He was never the lead back at Oklahoma State. Um, you know, there's, there's not a lot to say about him that is certain. Uh, in terms of positives, but he doesn't really have the profile of a guy who is likely to become a lead back in the NFL. Mike Davis is interesting in that he played in the SEC. He had some years of production. Um, you know, he's not a great athlete, but he's a big bodied guy. He flashed at times, but you know, he's bounced around. He's nothing certain. CJ Procise, really intriguing, great receiving back. Uh, but he might be overtaken by McKissick, uh, who's a former college receiver. You know, so there's a lot of uncertainty at the running back position. Um, it's never a great idea to think, oh, we must invest in the running back position. Like, we, you know, we must put a day two pick in this position. Ideally, you would like to be able to build through the passing game, build the offensive line. And then you can find a guy at running back who can just benefit from the strength of the offensive line in the passing game. Uh, and I think in general, it's easier to find um, cheap running backs who are good receivers uh, than it is to find you know good wide receivers and good offensive linemen. Um, you know, but that said, this team definitely needs help at running back. And it needs help at receiver, right? Doug Baldwin, he has massively outperformed anyone's expectations of what he could have been 
when he entered the league, what was it at this point, like seven, eight years ago as an undrafted free agent, you know, out of Stanford. Um, he's done his best Antonio Brown impersonation for the last three years. He's averaged over a thousand yards and almost 10 touchdowns over that time. Um, so it's hard to say that he is disappointed in any way. Uh, but he, you know, he's not prototypically dim- dominant. Um, so he's not the problem, but he's also probably not the solution for Seattle at this point, right? He turns 30 in September. Um, he's never been a very fast guy. And my sense is that a guy of his size who has never really been all that fast to begin with, he might not age well. He, you never know. He might. But my sense is that he doesn't seem likely to age well. Uh, so you you have that situation. You know, your number one wide receiver who is small, uh, who plays a decent amount in the slot, who's turning 30 this year. And then after him, you have a lot of uncertainty. Tyler Lockett is an unproven number two. He's talented, um, you know, but he's been injured in his career. The team didn't spend a first rounder on him, but it traded a lot to move up to get him. And what it traded in terms of just the draft capital was almost equivalent to a first rounder. So there are expectations for him and he's flashed, um, but he just hasn't lived up to expectations to this point. And then after him, man, you have Amara Darbo is the number three wide receiver. He did nothing as a rookie. Uh, he did little in college, and he is already 24 years old. That that might not seem like very old, but for the most part, the guys who end up having good NFL careers, they flash before they turn 24, right? They they at least do something by the time they're 24. Um, that Darbo did very little in college and did really nothing last year doesn't speak well for the likelihood of a productive future. So at wide receiver, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty and a tight end, you know, the team, you know, quote unquote replaced it's two departed tight ends with a 30 year old journeyman in Ed Dixon. And even if, you grant that Ed Dixon up to this point has probably been slightly undervalued in his career. Um, Ed Dixon as a number one receiver, uh, a number one tight end rather, but a a number one receiving tight end that really takes a leap of faith. So just look at that rundown. This team needs help, needs help at running back and needs help at wide receiver. You know, the, the good thing theoretically, is that this is a decent draft to grab a running back and a wide receiver in the middle rounds. You know, Bob mentioned Royce Freeman, Oregon. I think he'd be a great fit, right? Great great addition to the team. Big-bodied guy, um, you know, who also has the ability to function as a receiver. And that's something that the team really has never had. Um, You know, but for a guy of his size... Good athlete, good receiver in college. He'd be a great pick. Um, I don't know if he'll be available in round four, 
But if the team traded down in round one, maybe they could get a day two pick to use on a running back. In round four, they might be able to get a productive, athletic wide receiver with good size. Someone like Traquan Smith, Jamon Moore, maybe Jordan Lastly. Right, so there's you know, there's possibility uh, you know, for what the team could do. It potentially could find some guys that provide value and who address a position of need. But they're going to have to maneuver to be able to pull that off. Right, uh, I think a lot of the team's potential 2018 success will hinge on two things. So one, health. The team has a really thin roster. It will need to stay healthy. It will need to be lucky in that regard. Right, if it can stay healthy, this is probably a playoff team. Because the defense is still good enough. It still has enough playmakers. And Wilson is still good enough to elevate the offense to get this team to the postseason. They probably won't go far in the postseason, but they could get there. But also, they need to turn their first rounder and their late rounders into more mid-rounders. Right? If they can do that, and if they can stay healthy, then they have a chance. Right? The, the question is, can they get two to three players this year who have the ability to contribute as rookies? The interior of their offensive line is weak. Maybe they trade out of round one, and in round two, they could add a guard or center, and then they could still pick up a running back or a wide receiver later, or maybe even add another offensive lineman. However it is that they choose to upgrade the roster, they need to add more than just one player within the top 100 picks. They need to trade down or somehow acquire at least one day two pick, and preferably two of them. I think that's what their draft plans will really come down to. What do they do with that first rounder? Ideally, they trade down, they acquire more equity, they build the roster, and you know they really start the process of trying to give Russell Wilson the players he needs to have success. And that's going to do it for this Seahawks-focused special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Be sure to check out the episodes for all the other teams on Rotoviz in the podcast feed. I'm Matt Freeman, Matt at the Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Rahim, the producer for this episode, and to Colm Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Road of His Radio feed. Contact us via email, roadofhisradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Road of His at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, roadofhis.com slash podcast. The news on flavored e-cigs talks a lot about the technology and teen use. But parents need to know more about the dangers of nicotine. So know this. One, nicotine is a toxic poison that can rewire teens' brains. Two, it can increase mood swings. Three, it can limit attention and learning. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. 
could get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. For the ones standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. Committed to helping keep your facilities safe. And your people safer. Call, click Granger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.